welcome, and we're glad you've chosen to join us. Uh, your time is valuable. So we thought out how to have a conversation without actually having the outcome predetermined. It's an emerging community that we're inviting you into that takes the opportunity of a conversation to both be stimulated to a new insight, but then to build that into how a community can hold it, embody it, and take it out into the world. So listen in and be part. Okay. Did, were you in the water? Were you, were you surfing? Um, I have a friend who has a Hobie catamaran. Uh, oh. So he took me out on his cat. That's the second time we've done it, but it's like you have to be so invested on that thing because there's you have to crawl under the boom every time that you tack. That's a workout. There's like a little trampoline. And when the wind is really going, which it wasn't super windy, it was more of a hang. But uh, when it's really going, then you can harness in and the whole cat will get on one thing. So one is out of the water, the other's completely in the water. And then you're holding on and you're leaning off the side of the cat. Um, I did that two years ago. There was a hurricane or a tropical storm that came through and they had huge gusty wind. Uh, so that was awesome, but it was more of a booze cruise today. <laughs> how, long, how long, and where were you again? Uh, out at Dana Point. Okay, Harvard. you're at Dana Point. Um, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And then how long were you out on the cat? Well, we met at 10, but I had to help him like put everything to get it ready for the summer so it could stay down there. So we didn't get in till like one and then got out at 2.15 and it took an hour to like put everything down and wash it. And, you know, so I was absolutely, we're like, oh, we're great on time. And then it just got closer no, and closer. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you, I'm glad we get, well, welcome to Everybody else, uh, Dan Smith uh, is with me today, and I'm, I'm Barry, and these conversations are intentional, but they're not scripted. And that means that uh, we want to have a conversation we realize people can eavesdrop on, but we will make it about our own uh, lives and direction and uh, work in the world. And a lot of times, uh, we try to think of that work and see that work through an inside out perspective, which means we are not afraid. In fact, that's part of the intentionality of stepping into how do we develop our lives both inwardly in order to show up in the world in healthy, productive ways. Um, and so Dan and I have known each other for how long, Dan? Just been about three years now. Okay. Okay. It's been three years and a friend put us together. Dan moved up to San, uh, from San Diego, right? To San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and then what brought you? Just a little bit of background, because I know some good stuff about you, but uh, if anybody is listening in, what brought you up to, to SF? I was very blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it, to yeah. win an audition with San Francisco Symphony. So I was playing in San Diego Symphony at the time, and there was an audition and took it. Did not think I was going to get it at all, but uh, lo and behold, I was the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How competitive is it? Uh, Does it matter yeah. what instrument you play, or or or? Is I it would say at the level of uh, of San Francisco Symphony, just meaning like a full time job mm -hmm. where you don't really have time to gig elsewhere it's quite competitive because they have to post um the job opening 
internationally 90 days before the at least 90 days before the actual audition and then when you have the audition um it's all behind a screen the resumes the the resumes have the names blotted out when you walk on stage your candidate number whatever and they have a uh, carpet rolled out on stage. You're not allowed to wear hard-soled shoes. Uh, the judges are behind a screen. You're not allowed to talk at any point. Um, and for all three rounds through the finals, uh, they don't know who you are. So it's strictly on your performance in that moment, on that day. If you make one mistake, maybe they'll have grace for you or maybe not, but you have to demonstrate yourself right then in that moment. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is already loaded for me. So I, I've never heard this. I've never heard this story. This makes me think of like The Voice or, or American Idol. I mean, you literally have a panel of judges that are behind the screen. You're you're blind to them. They're blind to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. There's, so there's three rounds. So are they? Uh, so you could play round one and not get an invitation to come back for round two. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So how so, many? So so how so to get into round one, you say it's an international ninety day post. Anyone qualified shows up with resume for round one experience, but then the resume goes blind. They scrub your name. They don't even know if you're wearing hard sole shoes or not. You don't know who they are. You walk out and you play for how long? How long do you get to play for round one? Well, so I guess even pre round one round. Okay, good. Yeah. 0.5 or whatever you send in a resume um so they do a huge screening beforehand um exactly. they want to see that you've had experience and that you've played in other groups and stuff and that basically you're not going to waste their time so they make cuts in the beginning based on resumes and then uh, i think this one there's probably around uh like i don't think they choose more than 50 people to listen to for the prelims and then the preliminary round, which is the first one. Uh, and then the second round, if you're invited back to the semifinals, they probably don't have more than 15 to 20 people in the semifinals. And then in the finals, they, in my final round, they had four of us that they chose oh between. Gosh. And then how long in between time periods between round one and round two? It varies uh, for, I play bass, the upright bass or the giant, cello as some might want to call it uh for those they do them uh within two days so i had uh and because the preliminaries can take all day to listen to 50 people or however many it's going to take a full day and then the second day they'll listen to but sometimes for huge auditions like a concert master the first chair first violin often they'll have like a screening um in one month and then the next round will be a few months later because they want to have uh the music director or other certain specific people there for every round or uh it's just a even more scrutinized i guess where for myself the music director wasn't there until the finals um so some little variations but yeah mine was in within two days gosh i'm feeling it for you as you walk up so this was like Four years ago, you pack your your uh, base, mm-hmm. and you come up. Uh, you've been screened. So, do you have to send in a recording, or or some type of recording of you playing, or is it resume just on paper to get up here? It's a resume on paper. 
Okay. So the first time you're playing is that round one. Mm -hmm. Where are you playing? So we played. Actually, my audition was kind of weird. Usually, you play just right on the stage, and I wondered. So that at Davies? At Davies, yeah, Davies wow. Symphony Hall, and it's always all the I've. Uh, this was my seventh audition that I've taken, so I feel insanely lucky uh, that because I know people who've taken 30, 40 auditions, you know, you just keep doing it until you get a job, but it's pretty incredible. You're on stage, you're looking around to an empty oh, concert yeah. hall and it's just you playing in this incredible hall. So it really is an, an awesome experience to get to do that. And I try to focus in on that. Rather I was going to ask you how you got the right mindset. Cause when I talked about our conversations, I've loved the fact that you've gone into arenas of high performance like Davies Symphony Hall would be that arena but what I love about our conversations is you'll take me into like how would your mind how'd you get ready mm -hmm. so that if you can remember back like getting getting that first audition and walking out in that symphony hall just you on that carpet I take mm -hmm. take your chair what got you most ready uh, was it just, I've got to remember how special it is just to even only play once if I'm never even selected or was it, or was there different, what was the mindset? As, um, honest, as candid as you can tell it, because I think it's like super scary as well as like unbelievable. Oh, it's terrifying. It's... I would think I would just go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the, all the things. I mean, one, my very first audition I took I remember I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I actually took a little bit of time off of bass before it. And I was in a really great headspace. I, my very first, this was for Santa Barbara symphony. And, uh, and I had just been to Bali for a few, several months after graduating college. So I was in a great mind space and it was by far the most joyful audition I've had. I didn't feel that nervous. And I'm like, wow, is this what it's like? And then the next audition I took, I wanted it so badly. That job is for the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. And I just ate it so hard. First, very first piece. You, you play about 10 to 15 minutes in the first round and very first piece, I just ate it. Like my nerves took over. And I honestly think a lot of it was because I wanted that job so badly mm -hmm. and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and um, as one of my friends uh, in San Diego Symphony, she's from Costa Rica. Uh, she calls them the cucarachas in your head. And <laughs> there's these, these things, these like the voices that are telling you like, oh, here's that awful moment. It's coming, it's coming, oh, yeah. it's coming, here it is. You know? And yeah. then that's the kind of thing that just, they're there and they're chattering and, and then you just end up, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy often. And so, for me, um, skipping a lot in between for this last audition, I in no way thought I was gonna get it. I was like, there's no way, but I, I wanna do this because I know taking an audition um, is always gonna be a positive experience. I'm gonna grow from mm -hmm. by doing this, you know? And I set a goal, like I, uh, I wanted to at least make it to the semifinal round and ideally the finals, but I just wanted some sort of goal. But I don't know. I mean, I, I know some people don't believe in like selling yourself short, but then in another sense, I kind of take that mindset for auditions because 
Um, I don't know. I think when I put these expectations of you have to play the certain way and you have to make it, and this is your job, you need to get this for myself. I just collapse in pressure. That's, and I like that you're drawing that as one of the, yeah, as one of the walkaways, like you did it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what we do. That's what we do. We get, you know, now we've got this phrase getting out of our own way, but mm -hmm. you were skilled to, or you wouldn't have even gotten the, the interview. So you could play. So I wish, I wish I had the intelligence to form the kind of question because how many people walk in having the skills that the job requires, but they mess the interview. They defeat themselves. Mm. They, they're in their own way. They're all tense and they constrict rather than open and trust. But what you just said is that happens when we think we can control the outcome. Mm -hmm. And you know when you have one kind of result or I fail, then you put a tension in the process that basically interrupts the flow of what you really have to offer. I mean, I've done this, right? And I know as we've talked in the past, we've never talked about this, but I love the fact that if we think we can determine results, then sometimes that comes back to really be the, what you call the cucarachas? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, how do you get a case of the cucarachas? Well, if you go out and say, look, there's just one way that I win. And you backed off of that and you said, you know what, there's a way that I get better each time and a goal more to manage my own expectations and my cucarachas, which I think is what cucarachas are. I think they're expectations. Yeah, um, that's good. You didn't minimize your talent. You just said in order to really get to where I can be a whole person and not a failure or a winner, but how can I grow, walk through this, is if I get to the semifinals, I can be thankful. If I grow, it's just worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and by that mindset, you, so, you, know, you all went to the finals and obviously was selected. Does that, mm -hmm. does, that, does that loosen anything else up in your mind? Because I'm just trying to go back and talk about the process. And it's helpful to go all the way to the end and say, look, if you think you're going to control results, it's really going to mess with you. It's going to give you a case of the cucarachas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like trying to be careful with it because I know it's different for every person. Yeah. And, um, and honestly, some things you just can't control. Like you're just, sometimes you're just going to feel off. You can do so much preparation and, um, you know, and I always take the mindset or the approach with learning um just my craft and getting better like I want affirmations and encouragement to build upon rather than the sense of fear and uh expectations mm -hmm. like a sense of you have to play perfect or mm -hmm. you have to nail this and that's what they want to hear um and in auditions in certain performances that's been my downfall um and something that my friend uh who said like you the cucarachas in her head she said <laughs> when she takes auditions she verbally will tell the cucarachas like before she walks into this room she's like you need to stay here you need to sit right here outside of the door and she's like you have to tell them that you're gonna pick them back up when you leave it's like and for her it was this sense of i'm not gonna listen to you but like I don't know, maybe there's some sort of realistic 
uh, viewpoint to that in that you're not denying that you have these voices. You're not saying, no, stop it, be quiet. It's like, I'm just gonna put you down for a moment. I don't need you, I'll pick you right back up. Wow, I've never like, thought of that. Yeah, I, I thought that was, um, I don't know, there's more like of a sense of humanity to it yeah, rather yeah. than the sense of, I don't have cucarachas in my head <laughs> and I don't have these problems <laughs> and everything works great for me. It's like, no, I have them and you're gonna stay right there, stay there and I'll yep. pick you back up when I leave that room from the audition. I'm so, glad you, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause that's like, I mean, the cucarachas are expectations that cannot be met. And they're forecasts on the future that we cannot make good on. So they haunt the present. And so what you're saying is, look in the present, it's too much to ask that you let go of all cucarachas forever. So you have mm -hmm. to negotiate expectations even for yourself. So it sounds like she was saying how you said so clearly, like, I will pick you up later. You're not needed in the room I'm about to go in. And when mm -hmm. I come back out, we'll continue to do our work. But for right now, you guys just stay here. Did you do that? Did you apply some, some kind of methodology like that to your own or not? Yeah, I did as much as I could. I mean, so I, yeah, I'll be as honest as possible. First bit of honesty, this was the third time I took this audition for San Francisco Symphony. Dude. And my colleagues and my boss all know this too. So all three times, they had two no hires, which orchestras do sometimes. They'll go through the entire process and they're like, oh, I didn't nope, realize that. no I one's know. qualified. We're oh, not wow. hiring anyone. Wow. Yeah. We'll have another audition posting in six months or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I took all three auditions and good, the first good. one, I did wow. not pass out of the preliminary round. And um, so you a lot of that was- like, Do you know, as you look back, did you deserve to yeah. go on and just didn't? Or did you have to learn some things? No, I, the first major thing I learned was um, how unprepared I was. I prepared in the way I thought was best and which was not, I, I just completely changed how to, um, how to structure and plan out my practice time to be strategic and uh, focus on building fundamentals first, even four months out, uh, rather than, oh, here's the excerpt list. Okay, I'm just gonna start going through these and hopefully if I play them a thousand times, I'm gonna get good. It's actually, you should start four months beforehand work on deep fundamentals build a solid foundation and then start building upon it and each excerpt um, or piece that you're playing like you started a really slow tempo and then work your way up and it's always building from the ground level up so that you just you don't want there to be any bit or crack in your foundation or any hint of uncertainty because when you get to the audition you know your adrenaline's going to be rushing the cucarachas are going to be talking and you just want to be so solid and so certain of how ready you are um, so that you're not giving yourself failed expectations. Like you need to get this and this is your job, but you're like, I'm really prepared for this. And I, um, I think other people should hear me. And I think that I deserve to be here, you know? So that's my oh, first I'm bit of honesty. this, not writing some stuff down. Like, okay, keep oh, okay. Okay, and let me ask you this, and I want you to say the second one, but 
as you look at the whole uh, going through it three times, did you get there? Is it was it possible to walk in prepared saying I deserve to be heard? In your other yeah. times, you got there. So what I'm saying, if anyone's listening, and I'm learning from you too, it's not just a goal. You actually got there. You learned that. And then the next time you went in, you had that headset because you did start with your fundamentals. You did walk in with that mindset. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, Okay, so the first one was, okay, it's preliminary. And you realize now how unprepared you were. And if I heard you right, the one way to not get prepared enough is just to take the piece and try to just really own the piece. Mm -hmm. And what you said was, what you learned was, no, you go back four months before and you just start working on the scales, the fundamentals, you really build a foundation on which the piece then will start to be played. So that you walk in with the confidence, not on the piece, but on the fact that you are a complete, you're a complete musician as best you know you can be. Am I seeing yeah. that back right? Yeah, definitely. Because there's, there's some young people that are looking, old people too, forgive me for that. That was a, that was a bias slip right there as I own it. <laughs> but people are walking in saying, you know, if I just have my skills, my high level strengths, and I really glamorize them, I can have a wow factor. And there's mm -hmm. another mindset that you're saying which is no you really need to walk in knowing who your what your identity is having mm -hmm. a sense of awareness that you're prepped more than just by your strengths but you've got your whole self ready to move into this moment with all that you can possess not mm -hmm. determining results or not not uh yeah not like forcing results they'll take care of themselves if you take in yourself into the mindset you talked about. Um, mm. Gosh, Dan, really good. Now, I hope I didn't interrupt so much that you can't go to like, so then they don't take you. They don't take anybody. So you go home. So you have to handle, I didn't get selected. So just take us like four or five minutes down. What's it feel like? How do we deal with, okay, I've learned some things, but also the disappointment. What did it feel like to not get selected? So I would honestly say in that, for that one audition I was talking about, I didn't feel so defeated because okay. Okay. I'm from Southern California and I, I've always wanted to just live and reside in Southern California my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy now. I'm a well-rounded Californian living in <laughs> Northern California. Love it. Totally love it. Um, so I would say I already was like, uh, I don't really know San Francisco and all this. And I didn't think I was going to get it. And I really didn't, but I learned something. So I would say just take it in my perspective from probably the most emotional defeat that I had was the audition before the, the one that I won with San Francisco about a month and a half before um, the most recent San Francisco audition. I took an audition for the LA Philharmonic which I grew up going to and mm. listening. I know the whole bass section, like so many of the musicians or know of them and so inspired by them. And um, so I already knew like, I'm going to take this audition and I'm going to be so nervous. And like, I need to work on all the mental preparation, breathe so many different breathing exercises I learned um, just to calm myself during it. And I made it to the semifinal rounds there, uh, mm. but I was cut at the end of the semifinals and I just remember being so crushed. It was like an hour drive back home 
and I just cried the whole way home because I thought mm. like this was my chance like to get to the one orchestra that I want to be absolutely. in and absolutely there was the opportunity and now it's gone forever and I was so over it and I went back home and uh I remember going back to work oh yeah and what was also challenging so I was playing with San Diego Symphony at the time and I uh and also as a side note it's, maybe it's too much information no I'm I, loving this this is a great filler okay great I I took the LA Phil audition and the other auditions because with San Diego Symphony I was a non-tenured musician mm-hmm. I was basically like a long-term substitute so if I was tenured, I would have stayed there. I never would have taken another audition in my life because um, I love San Diego and I would have been so happy, but I was not tenured. So I had to take auditions. And so then LA Phil came up. That didn't work. I was crushed. And um, I knew San Francisco had an audition a month and a half after this LA Phil one, but I didn't care. I was like, what's the point? Like, I'm not going to get it. I didn't get LA, all this. And I had two coworkers who essentially slapped me to say like you've been prepping for so long and you're so you have you're at a high level audition level um like don't neglect the san francisco audition that's coming up it literally was because of two wow. um colleagues that told me you need to do this you're ready for it and i put in a lot more prep for another month and a half or so came up to san francisco and then i won it and i was I could not believe it in it. And still I'm just like, like I have faith in God and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It it makes me think like, and just reminds me, you know, the things I've put so much time and attention and care into is not bad. It's good or whatever, but sometimes I want to force a door open, you know, like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in LA, supposed to be with this orchestra doing this thing there's nothing else, you know? And then when I don't get it, I'm so ready to just throw everything out. Be like, I'm over it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm so thankful these colleagues uh, told me to do it. And um, I, and then now my life, I, I don't know. I never would have imagined living up in San Francisco and um, the leadership uh, role that I have up there. uh, And yeah, I don't know, so much that I've learned, I've grown immensely more than I've uh, thought I've been able to in terms of my musicianship, in terms of leadership and being on committees and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been incredible. And so, I don't know, it's definitely opened my mind in terms of being thankful for closed doors in life and, uh, and challenging times. I mean, like, mm. heck, now is <laughs> a great example. Like, this COVID world that we're living in, I'm like, okay, like I see the obvious uh, things that have, that aren't working out in my life right now are closed doors essentially. But like, I also know that through challenging times, through struggles, through closed doors, like uh, that's like one of the greatest opportunities for growth in some way. Um, So honestly, like a failed audition with LA and some other failed things in my life, like have been really great teaching moments for me of just pressing on. How do you grow out of this? Like you can, you can let this defeat tear you down or you can let this struggle or this really 
trying time, whatever, tear you down and, or you can find a way for it to grow you, to change your perspective, to make you a better musician, to make you a better person and better coworker, whatever. Like, um, gosh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, thank you. Cause it's sure it's, it's like a great commentary as you should have on your own experiences. And I'm kind of like sitting back in my chair going, I know your age and you're not old. And yet this mm. is a, an elder type thing that you're talking about. I mean, some people can mm. live a vocational lifetime and still be kicking against what they didn't get. Mm. And you were able to say early, you know, I didn't get it and I was crushed. You use that word. And I bet there's people listening who will say, oh, absolutely. I mean, in the crush, who are we? Who are you in the mirror at the point of failure? And your story and the commentary you've made on it is so incredibly, not just hopeful aspirationally, but you literally drop down into some real clear skill things. Like one is I had two coworkers who outside of my crazy brain told me what to do. And I submitted to folks who really knew me objectively. Like your community saved you because you might've moped past the month and a half San Francisco time and not done it, but they got in your head because you had already accessed them as friends hmm. or at least professionally. So like skill one is we're not really thinking very well on the crush. We need community and we need authentic relationships to speak into our lives, lest our feelings and emotions take away our talent. And you had two mm. people that said, Dan, you're better than you know you are. You get yourself to San Francisco mm. and you probably wouldn't have done it without community. So like point one is if you're gonna go for high performance, you're not gonna go alone because you're gonna meet crush somewhere along the way. And what you do with crush is not have an ego that's so big, you're bigger than the crush. You actually have mm. a greater sense of relationships that you can depend like I'm lost, I don't feel it. I don't think I'm good enough. What, what ought I to do? And I just think in the pivot of your story, it's powerful, Dan, especially your age in life that you, you learn to believe other people actually knew who you were enough that maybe better than you did at that point of time. So thank you for like bringing that out. I think there's two or three other things you brought up, but I just like go back to that one because that's missing a lot with the mobility of so many people jumping in and out of lives and or companies that relationships that can speak into our lives to give us directions. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome asset and your story like really, really speaks to that. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. I mean, I just, I don't want to jump in too long. I just want to go, whoa, this track. And I see, I didn't know this part this is so good of you. And I, I know it's being candid because like you're talking about here you are sitting tenured now at the SF symphony. I mean, world renowned. And yet you're able to say, no, let me tell you about the times I failed. Mm. Right. So I really appreciate the way that you're showing up here in the candor because actually nine out of 10 startups fail. Actually, all of us have mm -hmm. failed a lot more than we've succeeded. And most of us don't know how to talk about it. So I really appreciate your vulnerability and courage there. It's, it's, it's a beautiful trait, man. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just, you know, I've looked up and this is such a, 
unique industry, I guess the a symphonic career. Um, like in one sense, I growing up, you idolize these people. You hear this music, you see the stage, you see the hall, and uh, for me, it's like wow, I couldn't imagine doing that. I would love to do that, but you set these expectations and these ideas of like, well, that sounds like flawless to me perfect how do they do that they if they're perfectly playing all the time they must be perfect or whatever they must be this kind of a thing and you know it's it's kind of the own thing i like i guess this own reality that i form in my mind but then you get to conservatory and it's also kind of cutthroat but i was really blessed to be i went to rice university in houston and their music programs outstanding. And the most incredible part about it is the camaraderie that I, that is there. And it did not feel cutthroat. It felt very loving and supportive and people will listen to you all the time. And, and then again, what's unique in my industry, like, yeah, I, I got, I'm now tenured with the symphony and I will probably be here. Um, you know, this will be the last job that I ever have that's and my hope that's my every hope. yeah totally <laughs> hopefully the concert hall opens up again really but yeah i mean but you form an instant bond with everyone else because everyone else went through the same thing and mm. you have an incredibly diverse international uh group of musicians you know in san francisco we have uh someone from i, I think she's from kazakhstan we have several people from russia ukraine from Japan, uh, South Korea, wow. all over the place. And, wow. um, and so you see people who have faced failure time and time and time again and struggles and everyone's story looks a little differently, but, or a little different, but you, you meet people and you're there on stage and it's just a close bond right away because everyone went through the ringer and it's like, we all made it. Now we can all like <laughs> rejoice together and make music. And uh, so Isn't I guess that that's probably why I trusted those two colleagues, especially. So. Oh, that's a great, yeah, no, great backdrop. And, and what a great way for you to honor and uh, yeah, like bless the kind of vocational community. I mean, how, hmm. how people refer to their coworkers actually tells you a lot about the person who's making the remarks. Like if I have a lens to see the beauty and the gifts of my team, that tells you a little bit about how I am and why I'm seeing the world. If, if I'm full of moaning and groaning of what's not there, what's always missing, can you believe these team members? Hmm. It, it, it really just mirrors back. Not that that doesn't have some evidence, but it, it far more mirrors back who you are and how you see things. So what you just said that I like is with no experience, but a passion, you saw your vocation as a symphony with the pristine hall, beautiful surroundings, an awesome sound. It, you used the word, it was flawless. Mm. But when you became a journeyman, when you actually begin to pilgrim your passion into reality, in fact, you realize that passion wedded itself to perfection, but at Rice, you realize, no, as I journey into this passion, everybody's got a story of getting cut, failure, no callback. And isn't that interesting that like 
your first picture of your vocation, your passion made it think, oh, it's got to be perfect. If I ever get there, it will be unbelievably perfect. That actually gets in your way. Like there's a problem there, but but who, who could deny it? We all went there. Oh my gosh, when I finally become that, you know, that design thinker, that, and in fact, the journey to really get you there, you found a greater truth than like it would be flawless. You found no, everyone's flawed. And we have such community because we've embraced each other through, we all went through the same thing. Flawed, we've failed, we've all cried. And yet we've all gotten back up off the mat and we're that kind of community. I mean, that's like, like a, that's like a night and day picture and yet it's the same mm. vocation, but it's actually the track. But mm. thanks for putting that together. Cause early in my life, I had grandiose magical thinking pictures of what success would look like. Right. Oh yeah. How did you? <laughs> and in fact, something was right about it all. You had an antenna in the air and you were in fact destined to be a musician. Like all of that was like kind of right, but it was also skewed with perfection flawless and so that had to get chipped away mm -hmm. and when it chipped away you found a community that was far more authentic than a lot of perfect people sitting in air-conditioned symphony halls playing flawless pieces i love the way you just crashed that first picture of what you thought it was going to be it got mm -hmm. real but when it got real it got better <laughs> yeah. i love it Gosh, totally love it. yeah I, I just think, I wonder, do you think it's possible that it's a little bit of an off, off the track uh, question, but can people get into the reality of their vocational quest and find out that, in fact, there's not an authentic community in there? Like you're five years into your startup or you're five years into your own vocation and people are still acting like, no, I'm not hurt. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm great. Um, a reluctance to share failure, a reluctance to be known in a weak way, or a reluctance to be authentic. Like I'm mm. curious how many of our peers have gone ahead and gone into their vocation and kept the mask up. <laughs> you learn to take down. Right. Well, yeah. nowadays we have to keep our masks up, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Literally. This is true. Literally keep your mask Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a good point. I mean, and I will say I'm, uh, you know, I know so many musicians uh, who will never take uh, that mask down, essentially, yeah. like they will always give the impression that they are perfect. And often, I mean, because you have so many different personality types, too, you have people who don't, uh, you know, find it appropriate to be completely upfront or honest or in every situation. Um, and uh, I don't think that's necessarily an insecurity. Maybe it can be like, it's different for every person, but mm -hmm. um, where I, I just know for myself, like when I set the expectations so high, um, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I don't make good music because mm. when I set the expectation so high, I think I'm setting the risk so high that the reward is minimized you know so Ooh, that's really good that's really good like i just want to have fun to be honest that's kind of my mantra in life like i just want to enjoy every moment and it's possible to do that in my work like i can find a way to love it and there's always a risk but there and it could maybe it's more of a mental shift that it's been for me but 
um, like being on stage, granted, I had so many people who were constantly like saying, we're so happy you're here. It's so nice to hear you, to see you, whatever, welcome. It was a very inviting um, environment, but that helped me to be like, okay, I'm getting the impression that I belong here and not this idea of you better keep that bar high and don't mess up. It wasn't that, it was you belong here and we know and understand you can do your job well and make great music. Let's enjoy this now, you know? Wow. And that is a full on mental oh, yeah. shift for me. Um, and there are other musicians who are like, that was wrong. That's wrong. No, do this, do, you know, um, which granted we still do. And that's what rehearsals are for, but it's different when you can sense the attitude of like, why is this person so upset at me? And then that shuts me off. And so I just know for my own health, like, okay, I just know not to collaborate with you or make music and with you, but I, so that's maybe for my own protection, but um, yeah, I, I also know like it's insanely important to be well-rounded and I need the other areas of my life to be well-balanced hmm. um, for my music to. What, what does that, what does that look like? Like um, how do you balance? Um, I love being outdoors. I love surfing, hiking, nature. I need that kind of hmm. um, outlet to just gain perspective I guess of life and whatever like being with family um all like a spirit have uh spending time like growing in my faith and mm-hmm. uh which honestly for a much uh, longer conversation some other time I could share like that was quite pivotal that helped me encourage me to keep going forward and from my a audition faith, from a faith perspective a spirituality that helped you step forward okay yeah certainly and i've just seen and in my opinion uh so many musicians who have been um crippled honestly by having that lack of balance in their life like there's certain people you know they literally have nothing else some some people don't have a family or some do but they have no hobbies or other passions in life and their work is everything and on stage, it's everything. The performance is everything. And, and often they're phenom- still phenomenal musicians. Some of them, they like aren't, and then they can't even see it that they're not making good music. It's like, no, this is everything. And they just turn into a curmudgeon and it's, they're mm. jaded and they're, you can tell they're angry. And, um, and it's, that's just so sad to me. Like when you can become blindsided, like this is my everything, but it's like, yeah, you've your whole life and your passion has been towards music or whatever, but this isn't what life is all about. Like there's so many other things and uh, we need to be well balanced and everything has to be in check. Uh, because if you're uh, suppressing some aspect of your life or with your family and then you're having troubles with your family and then you're pouring into your work and something else, like then you're going to come home and be upset or angry and have issues. And you're going to bring that into your work. There's not like, those aren't the kind of cucarachas you can just leave at the door. It's like, that's <laughs> stuck with you. And it's going to affect how your music is made um, as well. And so, I don't know, I haven't been in the industry a long time and I've had some people tell me like, Oh, you're young. You'll get it. Like the <laughs> jadedness will come I'm like, Oh boy. Well, I hope not. Gosh. Um, how's that sound for the, elder mentoring voice 
it's not everyone wait to be, yeah wait to get to be my age you'll end up finding your own rut believe me the ruts there in your life <laughs> yeah don't don't pop my idealism however you just broke idealism down like you're like it's not ideal i failed it's hard there's motions of being crushed i however will build community by being real and authentic i will not make work everything as as much as i love it i will balance my life with surfing family Develop myself spiritually so that when my life outside of the symphony is attacked or, or goes through a hard thing like COVID, I have more than my identity at work. Hmm. And when, yeah, I, I, you're talking about something really nuanced here. As some of these people that I'm listening to and parts of my own life, when I move into my own expertise and giftedness, I can also get very tunneled and unbalanced is a way to say that. And my identity tilters upon another summit on the mountain of my strength. But the more I tunnel upwards on that expertise, sometimes the imbalance doesn't prepare me for a loved one, a loss, a change that I don't have control and nothing in my repertoire of work prepares me for the bigger part of my life. And I'm crushed. And I just say, damn it, how did I think my expertise was going to make my journey through life successful? It would certainly be a part of it. But you just said, if life isn't more than your passion, if life isn't more than your expertise, you're setting yourself up for disillusionment at some point. I mean, that was said so well, Dan. <laughs> Really? I mean, don't, hey, we you said it well. don't, don't we both feel it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's why in some way, some really weird way, uh, quarantine and COVID is a blessing because yeah. yeah. it, it brings that out. And, you know, I had a, a mentor from a while ago who was uh, diagnosed, I think it was like 13 yeah. years ago, he was diagnosed with some kind of cancer. Um, and they gave him four years to live and he's been living for 13 years and, oh, wow. uh, and he talks about the gift of cancer. <laughs> it's wow. the weirdest thing to hear that. And he's like, I get it. It's weird, but it's a gift. Cause he's like, I have a perspective that I've never had. And I wouldn't have gotten from any other kind of thing. And like, since I started the symphony, it's been like being on cloud nine for me because I just what an insane group of musicians. Um, and I use insane in my vernacular to mean <laughs> amazing and wonderful. So, sorry. I mean, I'm a little insane. We're all a little bit, you know, mentally insane, but uh, incredible, high caliber, yeah. uh -huh. outstanding musicians. And I'm, I'm just always like, why do I get to do this? This is incredible. Everything's yeah. great. Wonderful. March, 2020 hits March 7th, 2020 hits. And rehearsals done they say pack your things go home and that was oh the last God. time at the hall and we're our the season for the rest of 2020 has been canceled um it's really uncertain what it's going to look like for live concerts after this um i have fears in a lot of ways um but i'm also i've also realized like wow there's been several things that i've poured our poured mm -hmm. my time, my money, my care into certain things. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying low battery, there we go. Oh, there. Uh, 
Am I back? Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I, I see it. I see it. Okay, great. Keep going. Uh, and you'd poured in time, money, you were saying. Yeah. And a lot of things that I used as my security in life, like my job, the schedule, the routine, like, oh, this is where I'll, I feel good. And then that disappears. And it just showed to me like, okay, I've really been using this thing in certain aspects as my main source of uh security mm -hmm. of identity of um purpose you know and in some ways that's great and whatever and should be refined but uh that's i i wouldn't have really realized that unless things got shaken up the way they did well that's it, that's like your version of cancer right i thank god for cancer like what do you mean well what i'm able to relearn and reframe my life around a, a, a much more foundational truth than my vocational identity because you know how can you not relate to your vocation as what you kind of are known for in the room you walk in especially when you're high profile like you you know a guy plays for sf symphony i mean they're going to say that about you in the first paragraph whether you want him to or not because everyone wants you know like he's worth something what he plays for the symphony oh my gosh so now all of a sudden you're a symphony player like well where's his humanity well who cares he's, he's a professional at a high high level so you're like, you probably already felt that at your young age, like how the world will use you up for your gift. And then this guy, your mentor said, and he was probably a mentor because he was a high performer too. But mm -hmm. he said, you know what, cancer knocked that, took that away from me. And I had to ground myself in something more than how the world saw me or what I was made important by. And so here you are saying, hey, COVID locked me out of that hall that I knew myself in and my vocation and probably my future and how I get paid. And like, I've not gone back in there for four months and I might not, depending on where this industry goes. So who am mm -hmm. I now? And you're like, that's a real question that you and I both know is ricocheting through hundreds of thousands of people right now. Like, who am I now on a distributed team um, who am I now if my industry is going to change and I'm going to lose my job? Who am I now that I'm around my kids all the time and I find out I don't really like them as much as I thought? <laughs> or maybe I like them a whole lot more while I'm working so much and I'm, I'm afraid now I'm going to have to work and leave my family. I mean, all these different, like, what's this change allowing me to see about my life and my story that grounds me? Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I know that your faith and I know that your community the way you've invested in relationships is a central way that you stay grounded in more than just the production of your skill. Um, and I see that as really, uh, that's like a treasure. That's like, that's, that, that's important right now. You've mm -hmm. got friends that don't, uh, you, you have friends that still take your call, even though you might not be a famous bass player because they, <laughs> they, they just like you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, totally. oh, man. and then you've got other people and they might not return your call right now. Maybe, hmm. maybe because transactionally, you know, you might not be as valuable. Now, I don't want to make a good list, bad list, but we both know we see ourselves with different eyes than transactionalized. Like, what am I worth if I can't perform? Like, oh, that'd be a tough judge on myself. And yet we can easily do that to ourselves. But like, who am I now when no one's applauding? There's no concert tomorrow night. There's not a sellout. Mm -hmm. 
there's not a buzz you know you i mean after i'm sure after you guys play some pieces there's probably a real flow sense happening across that community of, of musicians and in fact do you miss that because i'm not saying that's negative do you do you miss the buzz of ripping a piece oh my gosh yeah totally we uh we started releasing some videos on youtube of past performances and mm. after like a month or so i was adjusting i'm like i don't know how long it's gonna take but after about two months or so they started releasing these videos and first one i watched i just started tearing up so i was like holy crap first we sound mm. amazing second dang i missed that magic and yeah. hearing that and experiencing that live um yeah 100 percent gosh no wonder you're saying that this is an important correctional course for your own development because that sauce is so seductive and yet it's so real and i want it for you i do not mean it from a negative point i hope you have a lot more of that however it is not you it is what you do 100 percent. and so here you have you have to live into okay i can't live off of that so i'm living off of okay me you're right i'm the person you serve you continue to play you continue to faith you continue to have your family down there that you're spending time with now to reboot and remind yourself that you can go on stage outwardly to the degree that you have inwardly rooted yourself. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's so good. We've both I seen people try people, to move. Yeah, keep going. What's what's that? I, I just hope more people could have an opportunity. I hear you. Like that in some way, because we're so, especially in San Francisco or a, a big city, you're so stuck in the grind. You have to, because if you take a break, like, you can't afford to live there finances and other things are going to build up and when you can have a forced time off uh yeah you can either wallow in your own misery or you can do some growth and like see who, yeah is this what my life is about like is this where my identity and purpose really is in or what are these things i've been neglecting and yeah great review time i I want to thank you for the conversation because I think even as you just did a little bit of a wrap right there, there are some questions now for you and I both and anyone else that's listening. It just helps them look at their life during this interruption, like of what COVID is, because you're sitting out from your own vocation for the last four months and you've used it as a time of reflection. Uh, that's going to help. I got to believe me by spending time with you today and anybody else that wanted to know, hey, what's this time about? Uh, you're not just missing work, you're getting an opportunity rare in a person's lifetime, which is to journey into some wilderness. And all mm -hmm. of the great heroes on their journey found the wilderness to be the formational time that really brought their life to a, a core grounding. And then they bloomed. Then they really mm -hmm. went forward with the clear identity rather than just a vocation. So like, that's really terrific. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks a bunch, man. And listen, I hope that we do, um, we put some of this down on a workshop and, you know, just some of these riffings, just like make them ways people can access them through listening to it again and exercises. And you want to do that? I do. Awesome. Heck yeah. Bring <laughs> it on. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, have a great time down there. Okay. I'm glad you're with your folks. Thanks again for giving us some of your time. This is wonderful. This is everything I, and more than I hope you'd be. So thank you. Same. Thanks, Barry. Great to talk right. with you, man. Yeah, great to be with you, man. All right. Have a great Friday night, all right? All right. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>
But that was another conversation. And again, thank you for joining us because the contributions each of us made and built on gave us not only something to value in the moment, but now we walk that out into the world. So the purpose of Be Do Labs is not just to grab time from you, but to actually give your time more purpose in the next step you take in your life. So embody it, practice it, and come back for more. Thanks for being part of our community.